didn't even make it a quarter mile before I was gasping. I thought I was going to die. I remember just being so hot and my thighs rubbing together and just thinking, oh my God, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the next episode. I have an amazing guest today. I'm speaking with Jeremy, who was recommended to me on Instagram, as many of my guests are, and I love her story. So she has a weight loss journey, but that's kind of not what her focus is. It's about the confidence that she started out with, but the more that she just gained and the stubbornness to get better because she knew she had the potential and an appreciation for what her body could do. And she's really in this theme of betting on yourself and putting out your big goals into the universe and not being embarrassed that they're really, really lofty. Um, It just keeps coming up. She had one Instagram post where I quote, like, Announcing a goal slower than I wanted or hiding my secret A goal. Why? Well, because if you put that stuff, end quote, on the internet, you might get disappointed. You might get judgment. But her journey started at 5'2 and 160 pounds with a five-hour, 25-minute marathon. And she's now running sub three hours. She's done ultras in the trails, and she wants to eventually get in some super long stuff. And I'm absolutely loving everything she had to say. And I think you guys are going to too. So if you want to hear my BMO race recap, I just put that on the Patreon, which is linked in my Instagram bio, which is hillsport55. If you guys just want to leave us a rating and review, I love that. Also, keep sending guest suggestions, keep sending questions, topic ideas, everything. The show has become so much of what you guys want to hear. And I love doing that. So we'll just keep on rolling with it. I think that's all I got to say. Happy Mother's Day. That just happened for everybody in North America. And I'm really excited for summer. So yeah, let's do this. And thanks to everybody who's um, doing the hashtag bet on yourself on Instagram. It's so much fun. Um, Alyssa and I are loving seeing those. So yeah, get out there and go after it. And here is a word from our sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Janji. So if you haven't checked them out yet, go to their website at janji.com. Also, you can use discount code TRW15 for 15% off your first outfit and check out the amazing colors, but also how many pockets the shorts have. So the tights and the shorts all have sometimes up to five pockets. So you can carry everyday essentials. You have your phone, your sunglasses, your sunscreen, your gels, whatever you need. So there's free exchanges, there's no fuss returns, and if anything goes wrong for five years that was a manufacturer error, you can send it back. So my favorite part is that they're not only durable and sustainable, but they're also responsible. So they are giving 2% of all top line sales to clean water initiatives around the world, and clean water is one of the biggest issues that we are facing. So this is a way that we can enjoy our environment, but also give back to it and wear some pretty fun clothes. So check them out again at janji.com. Use discount code TRW15 for 15% off and check out all of the super fun colors, t-shirts, hats, gifts, If you need a Father's Day gift, they also have some sweet menswear. So go check them out now. All right, welcome back to the next episode of the Trail Running Women podcast. We have a little bit of a different episode today. We have another road runner who was recommended to me on Instagram, and I have actually been following you for a while, and you have an absolutely amazing story. And I love that 
your Instagram really portrays the message that you're trying to get across as we kind of chatted a bit about in our email before. So we're going to get into all things running health relationship with your body, the things that you can do and basically how you became such an amazing runner. So welcome to the show, Jeremy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be on. Let's get into a bit of a history of um, if you were a runner as a kid and if you played any sports or were athletic and kind of a background. Yeah. So growing up, um, I grew up in a single parent household and um, we my sister and I, we grew up in poverty and so we didn't have the ability to participate in sports. And so growing up, you know, I pretty much just stuck to the arts, what I could do during school hours. And, um, sometimes in some ways the arts can be cheap. Um, so that was kind of my thing when I was younger, I wasn't interested in getting sweaty. I wasn't interested in running, but there's also the side of it that I couldn't do it because my mom couldn't drive me back from school um, afterwards. And I couldn't afford the things that you needed to run, like shoes and, you know, all the fancy clothing and stuff. That's, so that's pretty much the extent of my, uh, my athletic background when I was growing up was, uh, it, it was zero, it didn't exist. <laughs> well, and it's amazing too, when you think that that, that actually hasn't come up on the show before, but it is such a great point that, running sounds like, oh, it doesn't cost anything, but it is such a privilege because there are so many aspects that are so expensive. And it even is then like excluding in to do marathons, especially where you need really good runners and and things like that. It is more difficult than we give it credit for. Absolutely. And not just the equipment, but also the food that it takes to fuel yourself as well is so expensive, especially now. Oh yeah, that's such a great point. Yeah, there's so many aspects. So, um, okay, so you did end up finding running in your 20s. So it sounds like high school was sort of just a, a getting by stage for you. So what happened that when you were in your 20s, you found running or decided to to give it a try? Yeah. So um, throughout high school, I, I guess I'm kind of backing up a little bit. You know, I had spent a long time falling light years behind my peers, um, kind of getting into groups of friends that weren't really the best influence. And so getting into college, um, I broke away from some of those things. And I found myself in a place uh, in my university. It was very large. I A lot of my classes had like 300 plus students in the auditorium. And so there really wasn't a way to easily make friends, especially if you weren't living on campus. Um, and, you know, on top of just feeling kind of lonely, I wanted to find something that could challenge myself both mentally and physically, especially because at that point in my life, when I got into college, um, my financial situation was getting better. And so I was kind of like, okay, I'm starting to feel comfortable now. Let's make things hard again. And so, you know, I wanted to look for something that was challenging and could provide a community that I could be a part of. And so that's basically how I found running. Um, there's a lot of sports out there, but there's not a lot that you can line up behind, you know, some of the greatest people in the world and run that same course on that same day in those same conditions. 
Like you can't do that in Olympic lifting. You can't do that in rock climbing. So running was special in a lot of ways for me. So moving into your twenties, you start running. Um, I love that your bio quickly went from like, okay, so then I completed my first marathon. So do you remember what it was about the marathon that attracted to you in the first place? Okay. Yeah, this is, this is the exciting part. (laughs) When I first got into running, I don't know, looking back, I don't know why I wanted to do this, but I was very attracted to the marathon. So there was no other distance that I saw people come across the finish line and like collapse on their hands and knees. And, you know, people are like, just struggling to get there. And the sense of accomplishment that it looks like people had, you know, I wanted a piece of that. And so I was very drawn to the marathon. And I was, I guess, when I first started running, I thought there's no other distance I want to do other than the marathon or longer. I was actually interested also in like ultras as well. Um, Just because I, I thought that it, you know, it stretched you um, mentally in a way that other distances don't and physically as well. And so I had drawn up this plan. Well, I didn't really draw it up, but I like went on the internet and I found different running plans. And so I had something together that you could run like basically, you know, half a mile here, a mile there, victory marathoner running plan. And so, um, you know, I hit the road and like, didn't even make it a quarter mile before I was gasping. I thought I was going to die. I remember just being so hot and my thighs rubbing together and just thinking, oh my God, what have I gotten myself into? (laughs) And so, um, yeah, but you know, nonetheless, I I came back from that run. I walked back home after the quarter mile um, because I couldn't run anymore. And um, I don't know, something about getting my ass kicked just in that quarter mile. Um, even though it was not a very pleasant feeling, I was very drawn to it still. And I wanted to pursue the marathon regardless. So that's kind of how that, that dream started. That's awesome. I love that. It definitely seems like the marathon is sort of simultaneously like giving you a life purpose, like more than just running, you know, at the same time. Yeah, I've heard David Goggins, I think it was him, explain that, you know, within that ultra distance that you run, or it's, let's say even the marathon, you you do it for two hours, three hours, four hours, it feels like you live so many years of life yes. in that short time. Yeah, totally. It's so awesome. I love that aspect of it. And it's crazy then on the flip side, this is just a tangent, but when a friend of mine is starting a hundred mile race and I'm like, oh my goodness, like I'm going to have a regular day. It's going to go so fast. And this person is just about to have the most epic experience. And you know, they can't describe it in words either. Like it's just something that you have to experience, which I think makes their like even bigger draw to it. So I love that you said that. Yeah. I've heard a lot about the sports bra squad movement, which is one of the things that I loved about your, your profile kind of when I looked back on the early days. So tell us a bit about like when you found that movement and where you were at kind of like with your body image, if you don't mind. Yeah. So when I started running, um, you know, I wasn't in a great place mentally. Um, and I wasn't in a great 
place or I wasn't in a good space within my relationship with my body, with my nutrition. I was a notorious crash dieter. Um, I love to use different types of clothing, like patterns and shapes to hide my body or just conceal it in a way that I thought it needed to be concealed in order to like avoid scrutiny from myself and from other people as well. And living like that, honestly, it's just miserable. It makes shopping the worst experience ever. (laughs) And so when I found the sport, and so anyway, during this time I was running in like giant t-shirts, big pants. And even though I was running and I was feeling confident about the things that I was doing, I was always having this internal struggle before I hit the door where I was like, I'm not a runner. I don't feel like a runner. I don't look like a runner. And so this is kind of a condensed version of that story because this started in 2015. And so, well, I mean, it's been like a year or two since I kind of started embracing myself uh, from that 2015 point. But um, I found the sports bra squad movement and it was a movement that um, for the listeners who aren't familiar encourages women to just embrace their bodies for what they can do and not what they look like. And so from there, I started telling myself, okay, I am a runner. I can do this. And I would like give myself these little pep talks in front of the mirror. And then I had this one point where I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take my shirt off and I'm going to run because that's how I want to run. I want to be comfortable. I live in Florida. Um, The heat index goes up to the triple digits in the summer. And it's just so uncomfortable to run in a giant cotton t-shirt. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. And I shed the shirt and it was, um, a very vulnerable experience. I expected that, you know, people were going to be rolling down their window and screaming at me, (laughs) telling me to put my shirt back on. But honestly, no one did. Um, I said the worst things to myself and still to this day, 2023. Okay. Like almost 10 years later, no one has ever told me to just put my shirt back on. (laughs) So Anyways, um, from that point, like once I kind of got over that fear and that insecurity and I had done it a couple times, I was like, okay, I'm running in my sports bra. Now I want to find cute clothes and I want to find things that make me feel better. And so these things just kind of started compounding on themselves. I started wearing clothes that made me feel good. I started looking in the mirror and telling myself that I am a runner and that I can do this. And so repairing my relationship with my body loving my body, um, and appreciating it for what it can do, it kind of started to untease the cycle that I was in with, within binge eating because the binge eating was for me, a lot of the mentality around it was surrounded around, Oh, you don't deserve breakfast. You don't deserve lunch. You don't deserve snacks. So when I switched my mindset, I was like, okay, I am a runner. I need to eat breakfast because I need to fuel my body to run. I need to fuel my body to recover. And when I switched that mindset, and I actually did it in uh, preparation for an ultra, um, which also really helped too, because I started thinking, okay, how can I become the most granola person ever? (laughs) So I started like eating more whole foods and losing weight without even realizing what was happening. And so something that was kind of funny um, that emphasizes, 
not really emphasizes, but kind of shows how much I did not realize that I was losing weight was that I was still ordering clothes in the same size that I always order them. And I received this Nike sports bra and it was so loose. And I was like, you know, maybe it'll feel better when I run in it. It was horrible. My boobs were like slapping and <laughs> bouncing all over the place. And I came <laughs> home and I said, this is the worst bra ever. I'm, I'm writing a scathing review. Who would make, you know, a bra like this? for a runner. And, and it was specifically made for like larger chests. So I was like, who would do this? Um, so I wrote that review and they were very nice about it. And they said I could return it even though I had run in it. <clears throat> and, um, anyways, this kept happening. I kept ordering clothes and they kept fitting baggy. And I was like, wait a minute, like after a month, maybe longer, that's when I started to realize I thought I was sick because I wasn't intentionally losing weight. But yeah, all of that just started to stem from loving my body and fueling it and not depriving it or telling myself that I wasn't deserving of something because whatever, you know, narrative I had in my mind. So that's so amazing. Um, because I think you're right. Like our tendency is so much to just fight with it. And if you're focused so much on losing weight, it, it usually does become like a negative, right? Like beating yourself up for the food that you've taken and then trying to fix it and the yeah. comment about what you deserve. So it just sounds like you basically just started to respect yourself first and then everything else just sort of fell into place, which is probably a lot harder to actually do, um, but super inspiring for people to hear, I'm sure. Yeah, it's almost like a little Chinese finger trap. Like the more you pay attention to what you look like and what your weight is, the worse, <laughs> the worse that's going to become, right? It's going to magnify in your mind. But if you focus on how much of a strong athlete you are and how much you need to eat to be that strong athlete or recover to be that strong athlete, then the more you focus on how much you are an athlete and not how much you are like this I, this is harsh language, but kind of like a pathetic loser that doesn't deserve anything. I mean, the stuff that I told myself when I was heavy and not in that good relationship was so horrible. So, well, yeah. Just, and, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, that, that was pretty much it. And I think that's so common, like, is the self-talk is so negative. And that self-talk, I think, is what people think they're going to hear from the outside world when they do go on a run in a sports bra for the first time. So how did you to get to the point where you could leave the house. Because I know that if I saw somebody with my body exactly running in a sports bra outside, I don't even think it would register. I would just be like, oh, sweet, it's hot outside. But to for me to do it personally is a completely other thing because I think all of the negativity, negativity that's in my brain is going to be what the outside world feeds back. So how did you get out the door for the first time? Do you have any advice for somebody who really wants to do this and is just sort of stuck? Yeah, I mean, I, well, I don't know if it helps to run with someone that, you know, <laughs> kind of like as a shield, but um, I did yeah. it afraid, you know, and I did it insecure. So, and I just, I, I had to just not even think about the fact that my shirt wasn't on, <laughs> you know, because it, it is very mortifying at first. It does feel very vulnerable. But then when you do it a couple times, you're like, wait a minute, 
this is so much more comfortable. And not only that, but I don't have to do as much laundry. <laughs> so that was kind of like feeding into itself, you know, that the experiences around not wearing the shirt started to kind of outweigh what it would take to wear a shirt. And so, um, yeah, just kind of maybe build that momentum, do your workouts inside of your house without your shirt on. Cause even that can feel very uncomfortable, um, from my memory of it. And from there progress to, I don't know, maybe you do like a short workout outside and then you go to hitting the road, but definitely you have to build that momentum. I know just jumping into the cold water doesn't always work for everyone, especially because I'm, I'm a big proponent on taking baby steps, taking steps that are so small, even that it seems like insulting to your capabilities. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah. What, what I did was, like I said, look in the mirror, tell myself that I am a runner, do my workouts inside the house without my shirt. And I think that those small steps kind of built to the idea of like, okay, I can go outside and I can do this, but also seeing Kelly Roberts, who is the um, founder of the sports for all squad movement, you know, she filmed herself running and she was like, yeah, I'm just going to take my shirt off. I don't care. And seeing her do it was kind of like, okay, I think I can do this too. Because like you said, you know, if you see someone with your body type running without a shirt, you don't think anything of it. But then when you do it, all of a sudden there's all this like noise and your inner critic starts like piping up, telling you to put the shirt back on. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I don't know if that helped at all, but <laughs> no, it totally did because most people who are at where you're at are just like, oh, you just have to do it. Like you said, like just jump into the cold water. But that huge leap for some people is enough where they're just like, nope, not even going to try. So yeah, you can go, you can tiptoe in if you need to. And then the more people that do it and the more people you see outside, um, probably just inspires everybody else. And I paused yeah. for a second because I was like, just make sure you have sunscreen on. <laughs> for real. <laughs> Just want to take a quick second to thank today's sponsor. We are brought to you by AG1 from Athletic Greens. So I just had mine this morning, feeling energized, feeling awesome. It is something you can take every single day to know that you are getting all of the vitamins and minerals you need to recover, to sleep, to support your immune system, and you don't need to take a million pills and vitamins. It's just one simple supplement that actually tastes good. So I either take it in the morning first thing or mix it the night before so it's extra cold, thirst quenching, and it's giving my body the nutrients it craves. So I just had the BMO marathon or half marathon last week and I had zero digestive upset, which for me in a road running scenario, taking in gels is sometimes hard. So I think Athletic Greens has really helped with all of that gut health, probiotics, prebiotics, so you can check them out at athleticgreens.com backslash TRW to get five free travel packs and one free year supply of vitamin D. So the vitamin D I don't talk about often enough, and that has really helped, I think, with immune system, especially if you are around kids or anybody that goes to daycare because they bring home a cold and then they go back and mutate it with their friends and bring it home again. So the fact that he can have various colds that I don't get is really, 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 really helpful. So again, go to athleticgreens.com backslash TRWP and check it out. Okay. So let's get a bit into your running too. I mean, 
the cool thing here is obviously your results start snowballing to be a lot better. So do you have any kind of stepping stone races that you remember that really improved upon that time where you started to realize like, oh, okay, maybe now I have a goal of actually trying to run these pretty quickly. So yeah, there's this race, it's called Run for the Pies 5K and it's in Jacksonville. And it wasn't a race that I saw and said, oh my God, I can do that. But there's a championship and they the race um, will basically allow all the elites to go first and they run this like, maybe half mile loop and they do it a couple times. Everyone's watching and cheering. And then when they're finished, then um, the rest of the people can run. And it's a really exciting, exciting run because they let the women go first and then they let the men go. And if the um, man, the first man can pass the first woman, then they get like an advanced bonus. And if the woman can like beat the first man, then they get an advanced bonus. And so it's an exciting race to watch. I saw that and I was like, you know what? Like, I don't know why, but I wanted to be there in that lineup. And so this was maybe, this was possibly in like 2016 or so. And at this point, um, you know, and even from the beginning of my running journey, I wasn't really interested in shorter distances, but that was the first little seed that I can remember. And so I continued doing marathons and eventually I had signed up for an ultra marathon and it was in the mountains of Georgia. And I was so scared. Like, I didn't know if I was going to finish this. I didn't know what was going to happen because I'm from Florida. And so there's really no way to properly train for this race. And so anyways, I trained on like an indoor bike and just set the resistance up really high and combine that with, um, running. And so <clears throat> I did that ultra. And when I finished it, I was like, okay, I know I can do distance. It was a 50 K. Um, but anyways, I know I can do some longer distance stuff. I know I'm pretty comfortable with it. What else can I do? And so then I thought, Oh God, speed, short, fast speed is the one thing that I don't want to do. It's super uncomfortable for me. And then I thought back to the run for the pies race and I was like, you know what? I think that might be my next goal is to try and get into there. And so that was in 2019 and I joined a speed group, a local speed group through a running shoe store here in Orlando called Track Shack. And so once I started training with them, then I just, you know, I was around other people who were running fast. But um, anyways, that's kind of like condensing the whole story. But, um, you know, in between that was a lot of fear and a lot of doubt and a lot of feeling like I don't belong and I shouldn't be here. Um, but the community, nonetheless, like they weren't the ones making me feel that way. They were very nice. I was the one making myself feel that way by telling myself all these things. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how that seed was planted and then um, started to sprout to a point that, you know, I could slowly start to see myself qualifying for this race, the run for the Pies 5K. And eventually I ran in it. But I qualified for it in, in, I think it was at the end of 2019. And so when 2020 rolled around and the world shut down, obviously I didn't get to run it. So I ran it in 2021, but it was so cool being able to see that dream come alive. Like that was my Olympic trials. <laughs> so yeah. 
Oh, that's awesome. I love that so much. And it's so like, it's, I totally relate to that where the long stuff is less intimidating for some reason, because you're like, okay, I'm just going to go out there and battle with myself. And I know I can just keep on going, but speed can be terrifying. And it's, yes, it's a completely different like aspect. So that's super and- cool. Oh, I was going to say that I will say as well in the speed group, I met this guy. Um, he's a 200 mile runner guy and he's, he's run bad water and stuff before. But when I was in this group, my marathon PR was five hours and 25 minutes. And, um, this guy, I don't know why he was like, I guess, I don't want to say like drawn to me, like in, in some kind of weird way, but like he was drawn to me in a way that he saw potential and, you know, he kept dropping this seed, like, you could just train through 2019 to qualify for Boston. And I was like, thinking, what do you mean? I'm so slow. My marathon PR is 525. There's no way I can train to qualify for Boston and in just like a couple months. But every time I came to the group, he kept dropping that seed and dropping that seed and pushing me. And that year, I qualified for Boston and I knocked off all that time. So, wow, that's awesome. I feel like I should have added that in there, but (laughs) yeah, that's a small detail. So let's dive into that a bit. So that's like two hours at least because you would have been, you're 30 now, you're in your twenties. So what was the qualifying time? It was uh, a 3.30 and I ran a 3.25. So that obviously, I mean, 3.25 is a dream pace for a lot of people. Um, So clearly there's some natural talent in there, but what did you do other than just this speed group, or I mean, obviously some of the workouts were with the speed group, but how did you get down in in time in such a short training block? Well, I did do some stuff in the gym, but um, honestly, I would attribute it to coming out there and really just my, really just embracing my sense of imagination and not thinking about all the people before me who couldn't do it or who took years to do it. I just came out every day and I tried my best and I really did kind of run myself into the ground to do, to like make it happen. You know, I really did have to force it. Um, I had to force my easy pace to become faster. I had to force my uh, long runs to be faster. And, you know, I was running out on the track until like I was seeing spots and, and maybe that had to do something with like the heat but, um, you know, my quad muscles were like, I, I almost describe it as like splintering off like pieces of wood, like breaking a little popsicle stick. That's what my thighs felt like. <laughs> and so it really was a lot of just kind of not thinking um, of the consequences and just kind of like plowing through, which sounds terrible. But, um, you know, it's the truth. I, I just tried to take every day as it came. And like I said, not think about all the people before me who had tried and didn't make it. Yeah, you definitely seem to have just a natural knack for the mental toughness that all of this stuff takes, which is probably the the more difficult, actually, like the unteachable part is that sort of mindset um, who knows, possibly some of the difficulties as a child, like helped kind of put that yeah, into your personality, but your marathon time now 
is your PR is 247. Is that correct? Yeah, 247.04. That four (laughs) seconds hurts so bad. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. I bet. So, I mean, the difference from 525 to a BQ time is obviously pretty big, but I think the harder time, obviously, is the 330 to sub three. So tell us about, like, getting that BQ time and what was it about the marathon where you thought, like, okay, I can keep going with this. Yeah, so once I hit that uh, BQ race, because I had spent so much of the training really pushing myself somehow, I mean, I did get injured along the way, and um, I don't know how, but I plowed through it, but somehow the the amount of force that I put in um, (laughs) on race day made the race seem so much easier, and so I had run a lot of that BQ um, marathon smiling and feeling great. Um, I was grateful to be there. Um, and you know, after I had finished that race, I started thinking, okay, I did this in a couple months. What else can I do? You know, and I did it with a smile on my face. So I was like, okay, clearly I think I can go to another place. And so that's kind of when I started planting the seed. Okay. If I, came from 525 to 325, then who's to say I can't just jump to sub three. And so once that seed was in there, um, you know, I just, I, I, I'll find a way to make it happen basically. And, you know, funny story that I've been kind of sharing more on podcasts is, you know, at the time I had confided in a coach that I was working with that, you know, going under three, potentially running a 245 was on my mind and he told me to go smoke crack. And so I knew that working with him, I was never going to reach that goal. And so, you know, I found a new coach and I called up this guy. And when I told him my goal and I told him where I was at and where I came from, he was so excited. And he told me, yeah, you can absolutely do this. We can definitely make this happen. And so again, I went back into kind of like what David Goggins calls the lab back into the pain cave and just started, I mean, again, just forcing these paces (laughs) and running until, you know, I thought my teeth were going to fall out. But again, when race day came for that sub three, I was actually, you know what, that race did not feel good because I'm thinking like, oh yeah, that race felt great. No. And now when I think back about it, like I was in pain from mile one. I didn't, I didn't even know if I was going to start like walking after like mile 13, but <laughs> I ran through the whole thing and I ran it in three hours or excuse me, two hours and 54 minutes. Um, and I forget the seconds was maybe like, yeah, I forget the seconds. I don't want to say exactly what it was, but it was in the high higher end. But anyways, Yeah that's kind of like the timeline of how I went from that 325 to three hours. So surprisingly, for some reason, going from 525 to 325 was not as painful as going from 325 to three hours, which makes sense. But it surprised me how much work it took. Yeah, because suddenly getting one more second per mile is work and not overnight. And it like you're just every little tiny bit counts, right? Yeah. So you talk about forcing the paces because that's what I'm thinking like, okay, so 
you just give somebody a workout and say, okay, you've got to hit these paces. And maybe you're not physically capable just yet, but you're going to force it. What does that look like? Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're forcing it within reason. And so, yeah, that's, that's actually a really good question. So I have paces that like on paper, my coach will tell me, yeah, you can be able to run this. And immediately, you know, I know a lot of athletes think this, they, they see what their coach gives them and they think, oh, there's no way. And you immediately think of all the things that could go wrong, should go wrong. Maybe you start running the workout. You feel like crap. Um, things aren't going as you thought they should, or maybe it doesn't feel as doable as you thought it should. But um, for me, that forcing kind of looked like just not giving myself any excuses and just being like, I'm going to hit this pace no matter what, which I think I was able to do that in my younger years. Now, it sounds so weird to say that because I'm only 30, but now that I'm 30 and my body has kind of changed a little bit from when I was in my 20s, um, I do a little bit less of that forcing and I do listen to my body now and I tell myself, okay, if I'm feeling like this, I do need to stop and, you know, take a break or maybe readjust, change the workout, something like that. But back then, yeah, it was just like, dude, I'm going to jam my head through a concrete wall to make this happen. (laughs) So (laughs) that's kind of what it looked like. Um, And it's not, you know, it's not a healthy answer, but it's what I did. So no, I like, I appreciate the honesty. That's some stick with itness there. I like it. (laughs) So you're continuing on, obviously you have goals of Olympic trials um, or Olympic qualifying time. What Mm -hmm. Uh, what race do you have or how's that, how's that going? So I've been jumping around thinking, Oh, I'll do this race in the summer to qualify. And then I'll do two more in the fall. But right now, um, you know, from the conversations that I've had with my coach, we think the best route is to just shoot for one good race in the fall and just keep my focus on that. And so right now that's going to be Indianapolis, the monumental marathon in late October. And I don't know, my coach right now, like he's telling me, you know, if the weather's bad or if the wind's blowing in this direction, like we're not going to go for it. But um, I'm kind of going back into that headspace of like, no, I'm going to jam my head through this concrete wall. And like, (laughs) I'm going to make this happen no matter what. So right now what I'm training to do is again, do what I've done in the past, force this 555 pace to become a pace that is doable for me. Um, and the reason for that is because I don't want to show up to Indy and think, you know, if, if the wind's blowing in the right direction and the temperature's perfect, then I can do it. No. I want to know that there can be another monsoon, which there was last year, um, another monsoon record heat wave, and that I'm still going to hit this pace. And, you know, if the weather is great and the wind's blowing in the right direction, then I'll take off more time. But for now, my focus is that I'm just going to do this no matter what. (laughs) So yeah, right now I'm in a little bit of um, a lull with my training. It will start back up in I believe in July um potentially June but we're gonna start ramping up my mileage getting up to 
um, the 100 mark, seeing how my body kind of responds to that. While I'm doing um, building up the mileage, we're not really going to be focusing on any kind of like fartlek or track workouts, obviously, because nothing, I, I don't have to sharpen up for anything at that point. But what I will be focusing on as I'm building up the mileage is throwing in some runs where, you know, the last few miles I'm hitting near six minute mile. And the reason why I'm not concerned with hitting the 555 just yet is because it's so hot here in Florida in the summer that usually if you can run like 15 seconds off your marathon time, if you're going to go somewhere in the fall, when you do travel to that place and it's nice and cool and there's no humidity, that pace just like sheds off like nothing. And so I know that if I can at least get close to it in the space building period and start throwing in those miles, getting comfortable with it, even if it's not exactly that 555, I know that when I get to Indy, it could be 75 degrees raining sideways and I'm going to make it. <laughs> or at least that's the theory. <laughs> that's such a good point. That's so good because so often I have athletes, I like coach athletes, that if they're running any any race, but specifically a road race, um, but it happens in long distance trail as well, or the week before or any time in training, everybody has that moment of self self-doubt where they're like, oh my gosh, I'm off my pace by, as you said, like 15 seconds. How could I possibly run 15 seconds faster and hold that pace? Um, and you're right. Like not only are you doing it in different conditions, if it's super hot, but also like the fatigue that you're carrying and all of these things. So it's just nice to hear somebody who's accomplished the things you have be like, yes, even this kind of idea happens to me. And it totally means I've got it on the day once you add in taper and race excitement and then yeah different conditions so that's a super cool point also yeah so I mean you know you kind of joked about being 30 now but as somebody who is the top end of 30 you're still super super young so after you get this marathon time what are kind of your big goals coming down the line is there anything else really long term that you're like yeah I want to check off all these boxes with running absolutely so once I'm kind of, once I've hung up my hat with the speed work stuff, because speed is fun, but I don't know that, well, obviously, you know, you have a very limited time that you can be at like your peak fast pace within running. Um, I want to do ultras. I want to do a 100 mile race, possibly longer, because I feel like the longer a race goes, the better I am at it. And I'm also one of those people, like my husband and my friends laugh at me. Like, they're like, dude, you could be running a race, like crying, puking, pooping your pants and you still finish. And I'm like, great. Then that probably means I'm cut out for ultras. Cause I think ultra runners do all of that. <laughs> yes. And that's why I was going to ask you because I was like, oh, this girl has like hundred mile winner all over you <laughs> because it's yeah, like, dude. yeah, it's all mental. Right. Right. But yeah, doing like a fast or, you know fast for me, 100 mile race would be so exciting. And it's so funny as your mind expands over it as you do them, because the first time you do a 50k, you're thinking, okay, that's wild. Like it's farther than a marathon, especially if you're in kind of an area with a lot of elevation, how will I ever kind of get through this? And then now that the majority of races I've done are closer to like 100k is kind of my favorite distance. I'm like, I can't do a 50K. That's a sprint. I'm not going anywhere near that. 
Yeah. And I just love how marathoners are, excuse me, ultra marathoners, especially the 100 mile people. Like they're like, oh, what's a marathon? That's like a quarter of a distance. That's like a 5k in your guys' eyes. <laughs> yeah. But it's secretly because you're like, oh my God, you'd have to run that so fast. That's a, right. That's a di- nobody's stopping to have a quesadilla in the middle of a marathon. <laughs> right. Right. Or like quesadillas and cheesy potatoes. Yeah. All the things. But that's kind of the cool part about running, right? Is like you can look at this lifelong sport and there's so many different aspects that you can go after and perfect. And I mean, the world is kind of your oyster. You got stage races, all the things. So um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's pretty cool. And then that just allows you to expand as an athlete as well as kind of the impact on your body can change and all that sort of thing when you get to varied terrain. So it's cool. Yeah. So you have been so fun to chat to. Like, I just absolutely love your mindset. Um, Is there anything that you, like any big message beyond what you've said already that you just want women to hear, especially newer women in the sport? Yeah. So I actually wrote this down um, that, so I have like two quotes here, but I just wanted to share that the power of your imagination is unlimited. And so I have two quotes from Albert Einstein. I feel like he says a lot online or people attribute a lot of quotes to him. <laughs> online. So I'm not sure if this is from him actually, but the quote is imagination is more important than knowledge for knowledge is limited to all we know and understand while imagination embraces the entire world and all there will ever be to know and understand. And so The reason why I share that is, I guess, just to let people know that you might have this idea in your mind that you've seen people around you that haven't been able to accomplish a particular goal, or maybe you have in your mind that you come from this socioeconomic background, or you haven't run in high school and college, and so you possibly can't do this. But sometimes I think it's important to just kind of put aside what we know about people and about sports and just embrace your imagination and what you could do um, and what is possible for you if you just show up every day and put in the work. Um, And yeah, it might not take you to where you want to go, but you'll be a lot better of a person for trying and going through the journey. So yeah, that that's a, <laughs> that's such a great a great quote. You're right. Like we're the limiting beliefs is such a a thing, and it is such a great reminder to hear people just say you can break through it with your imagination. So that's awesome. Yeah, and the other one too, because I kind of got like caught up in rambling, is that uh, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, everyone knew it was impossible until a fool who didn't know came along and did it. So yes. Totally. Oh, you're so inspiring. I just can't wait to follow your journey. You're going to go so many places and I definitely believe you're going to, you're going to crush that, that time. Thank you. Last question. Um, if you could describe running in three words, what would they be? Um, painful, glorious. Um, oh geez. Painful, glorious. And, um, let's say freeing. Oh yeah. That's a good one. It's a hard question. Cause I don't tell people ahead of time. I just want to know the things that come to your mind. So that's 
very accurate. That's how I view it as well. So again, like, thank you so much for sharing your story. And I, I definitely want to push anybody over to your Instagram. There's so much good content coming out there. Um, are there other places online that people can find you and, and remind us, um, of your Instagram handle and all of those things again? So no, long story short, (laughs) no, I started a TikTok and I only posted one video. I don't know why I can't get with it. Yeah, Um, no, me neither. I get it. But (laughs) yeah, I don't create content on there. So right now, Instagram is pretty much it. Um, I do need to branch myself out, but I haven't yet. No, I think you're good. I think people can find you there. And if they can't, then, well, there's other issues. But (laughs) I, I will link to all of that in the show notes. And thank you again and have a fabulous rest of your day. Yeah, thank you so much.